0: What's up, everybody? We are back with the Dementi Mocha podcast. Our guest today, collector, curator, Terence. Terence, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. Uh, let's, let's start at the beginning, man. Please just let us, everybody, know uh, about yourself and, and how you ended up to be here.
1: Um, I'm like a crypto guy first and foremost. and uh, yeah, started like jumping into like the NFT art stuff about like a year and a half ago. Uh, got into like a lot of Bitcoin, a couple other smaller like little artists in Brooklyn, uh, working close with a couple guys on launching a couple artists, some representation stuff, uh, EDG uh yeah kind of all over
0: but basically just enjoying the art super so let's run it linear man i'd love to know what excited you about crypto in the first place
1: um so i was st- i was started out in equities and kind of just bad taste in my mouth for the whole trad fi thing uh, spent a little bit of time in school wasn't really like doing it for me it wasn't really just didn't have the passion for it to be honest, and there was like a lot more to build and be done inside crypto. Uh, so yeah, kind of just followed the interests and took me into DeFi, and then from DeFi, didn't really didn't really want to hold on to a lot of dollars, which I'm not enjoying right now that much. But ended up taking a lot of money into art. That was kind of like my whole thing. Like as I was working, trading, building whatever, it was cashing into NFTs and some other art.
0: I think our stories are probably similar. Mine was, you know, investment banking, wealth management. Uh, yeah. Into, into crypto. Um, and then from crypto into the arts. Uh, were, you, were you involved at all 2017? I see. Uh, or? Not
1: like closely. I was buying coins for illicit activities. Um, yeah. Back in high school. But <laughs> I was not. Uh, yeah. I was not really taking full advantage of it back then.
0: Yeah, so you know, there's uh, uh, almost a meme now that like you know this recent boom was was 2017 uh, ICOs with with pictures shitcoins with pictures. Um, what you know? What is it that perhaps like you think separates uh, a <laughs> you know a, a shitcoin with a picture from an artwork?
1: yeah i think a lot of it kind of boils down to uh like addition sizes that's like my personal opinion on it i think uh it's super easy to tell like when good art kind of becomes marketing rather more than anything else um yeah i think that addition sizes profile pictures uh i think that there's definitely like a lane for that and there's definitely like you know that market's obviously there but um, yeah, I don't think the longevity's there in like the art or I mean, anything else that's got you know crazy additions and you know just like open-ended type stuff. I, I do enjoy some of it, but I just to try to stay away. So you focus more one of one or low editions? Yeah, one on one season is yet to come, right? But uh, <laughs> one day, one yeah, day. one day, one day yeah but I, I do try and stay away from the additions i I think that there's a lot of fun in like building community around things like that um but I think that the future of like the art and all this stuff and the nft is more in just like the provenance and you know being able to have for me personally it's just like the ease of sale right like I have a nice piece of art I now got the nft with it and I can move it much easier than I could if i did not right so
0: yeah, so, I mean, let's let's ground that. I mean, I think Bitcoin is a wonderful example of, you know, one of one with, you know, many pieces that fit into a general collection. Uh, I think Sarah is absolutely brilliant, obviously such an, an innovator, and the project itself is just, like, very conceptually rigorous and interesting. Uh, anything in particular that attracted you to that work?
1: Yeah, so, Bitcoin, uh, I first fell into... Just like about a year, year and a half ago, kind of was one of like the first NFTs I was checking out. Um, just because of like the provenance, right? So I was like digging around for a long time, and like stumbled across Bitcoin. I actually think I fell across it through uh, fingerprints DAO, and um, yeah, I only I picked up a couple Bitcoin and then had met Sarah through a fingerprints type meetup luncheon and yeah i really like started to like understand more of the project i didn't really understand the depth of the Bitcoin until i really like i'd already been buying them and then i you know started digging digging i was like oh there's a lot more to this than you know meets the eye and uh yeah i i think that all the Bitcoin stuff is really great i think that it kind of gets glanced over a lot like for some reason i think in a lot of the uh like you see the timelines of the nft stuff right and for some reason bitcoin I think a lot of times
0: i find it gets like left out for some reason um well yeah generally the people who put those together have uh you know their own interest at heart yeah
1: totally and i think that also there's a big uh like difference in the collectors behind bitcoin than there is like other nft projects especially like you know big like we're saying not necessarily edition sizes but large supply projects um yeah yeah there's definitely more of a like a fine art background there and it definitely shows, like, in the Bitcoin market and how it you know, plays out.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, during, like, the mania, I think people were just moving whatever was hot, you know? So all these purported NFT archaeologists would pop up. they jump on a Twitter space They, you know, had already accumulated massive supply. And then they would just, like, dump into that fervor. Uh, totally. It, it actually takes some pretty, like it takes hours to again, like dive into projects with intent, dive into projects with depth, understand the collector base, understand the artist statement. Um, And I think Sarah has just done a really wonderful job of fostering a community. So I think, you know, just applause to collectors like you who have the time, take the time uh, and are looking for something deeper.
1: Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And I think it's kind of like getting I think that's getting better. I think as like more curation gets into the space, uh, there's definitely like now a more interested, you know, personally invested sense, I think, in a lot of the NFT space right now. I think people are kind of trying to figure out, okay, what is it that I'm buying or I was buying. Um but yeah, yeah. I think that I think totally. I think that the collectors there are super great. I think they've done a great job, you know, nurturing that community. Um and it's like definitely shows like we're saying in the market, right? Like Bitcoin, when things were really hot, we're hanging out maybe like 50% of where they were at now. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's cool to watch things like repricing dollars, like a lot of good art. It's pretty cool.
0: Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, in, in this, you know, this bear market, there has been consolidation around incredible projects, which is is really nice. You see the bottom fall out of a lot of hype and you you've seen projects consolidating. There really hasn't been a has uh, been a slowdown in broad activity, but the you know the pieces that were desirable have not gone down in price. Um, yeah, no. A lot of
1: them actually like, I feel like have went up like uh, at yeah. Yeah, a lot of them have definitely went up. And I think that right now is, like, also, like, the, it's a great time because when things do reprice a little bit, right, you start to establish this new collector base with, like, a much more reasonable footing that kind of, you know, lets people, you know, it's easy to, like, hold on to something and host conviction if you're doing well, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so giving, like, opportunity to new collectors that want to dive in and, like, get to see this, like, curational side of the space right now, definitely are going to end up with the biggest benefit.
0: Yeah, facts. What do you think people in there, uh, do you think this is a market geared to a obviously traditional art collector average age 65? This is feeling very much like a market geared to people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Yeah, so
1: yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that it's pretty funny because the fine, like, I've definitely seen like more like the fine art side of things in the last uh, few months. And I think that it's always funny, like being the youngest guy in the room and arts, like, you know, the whole art game itself is like pretty exclusive, uh, you know, pretty exclusive little community to break into at least the fine art world. So it's pretty weird. Like experiencing that flip side of, yeah, like everyone's, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old, kind of like, who the hell are you? And then you go into this NFT scene and almost, honestly, like 22, 25, 30, you're almost like it's backwards, right? You're feeling like older. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because I was just down at like Christie's Art Plus Tech Summit, and there's still like a major, major divide between people who represent gallery, traditional galleries, museums. Um, they're very obviously interested in learning, but at like dinner conversations and sitting down, it's it's pretty difficult to like find common ground. Um, yeah so i'm i'm curious what about you know this this art this new movement you think makes it attractive to uh individuals like ourselves uh
1: well i think for me personally and i'm sure for you also uh like i really just like seeing the good good art getting a chance to like totally be in control of its own distribution right like that's plain and simple the best thing about nfts right artists can't Control their distribution. Once you once it leaves your hands, you don't see it. Um, you know, it's just nice. Like it's literally good tech for good art. Um, that whole flip side of you know, how do you get galleries and gallerists to understand things the same way? Um, outside of you know, they, I feel like a lot of it kind of misses out on. You know, we can do something new here with these galleries, and a lot of it is trying to actually just adapt the old model with the new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, and I think that it's definitely hard to like bridge that divide and, you know, kind of find common ground. But I think the common ground is the good art, right? I think at the end of the day, that's what the galleries are there for as much as, you know, guys like you and I. And I think if we can start to figure out how can we, you know, enable these galleries to kind of flip the model of doing well for the gallery and more if you're doing well for the artist instead of, you know, galleries are business, right? End of the day. And if you can, you know, turn that business into something that proves a little more benefit for the artist instead of just the gallery definitely is like the opportunity place to do it
0: yeah and i want to be very clear i'm not like one of these uh like cut out all middlemen maxis you know like i want to be having these conversations because i think good art uh needs good storytelling and it needs advocates to like begin to teach people um you know what it is what it's about um and I don't know what that disconnect is. Perhaps it's, it's fearful. It feels like a threat. Perhaps it feels, you know, a bit of like, uh, you know, built on sands. I think us as like a younger generation of collectors continue to have to prove it. I think a lot of people were on the sidelines just like waiting and seeing what this was. It was incredibly manic. It feels like it's starting to, to sober up. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of the discussions I was having was around canon. Um, What is canon in this space? And frankly, I think it's just like too early to begin to decide or even assess what is canon.
1: Yeah, I think that right now, like at least what I'm trying to do is focus on the good art that's, uh, you know, using the tech like the way that it should be. Right. So for the distribution, not for just open editions and monetizing your art more for, you know, actually just enabling the sale of your art rather than letting this become, you know, art is a business and yeah, you totally need the galleries to spin that narrative, right? I think the narrative super important. Um, just when I did, I did a show with Def Beef, Godman, uh, EDG, JPEG space at the boiler. And I think that I've seen like almost like directly the impact of, explaining that narrative in real life to transitioning to, you know, the value change in the market. Um, I think that once you can explain, like explain the art and if you can do it in a really concise way um, you need someone, someone like galleries to do that, or like almost like, it's almost like activism investing, right. Being a great collector, you need to be like adding that value for your artists as much as, you know, they're bringing back that value
0: to you with good art. And you definitely need galleries to do that for sure. I mean, I was just on with uh, EDG and I can't begin to tell you you should listen to the conversation because he was really singing your praises, man. He's like, this is work that needs to be shown in large-scale format. And, yeah. you know, t- t- tell people about how you showed the work.
1: Yeah, so uh, I totally big believer, very big agreement with Eric on the, the whole, you know, large-scale format. Art. I think that people, the whole idea behind our show is that People are all staring at this stuff on their 18-inch computer screens, right? Um, And when you're not, it's going on to something like a token frame or it's going on to, like, a giant Samsung frame. If you're, you know, trying to display your stuff at home, it's staying in that, you know, very flat presentation where it's hard to actually, like, immerse yourself in a lot of this stuff. And a lot of this generative stuff is, like, a lot of layers and depth and detail that you don't really get to see on that little you know, screen, you don't get to really experienced, did the same full effect. So we did a show using projectors in a super small, uh, you know, boiler in Brooklyn, giant super industrial space warehouse. Um, and we did giant projections like 500, 600 inch projections of spectral beings, phantoms. And uh, yes, yeah, so I saw also Samsung did something with Mazinol um, on a giant screen and you, I think those are like great examples where you can really see that like the art people will see it on the computer screen and they'll see it on a token frame and they'll say oh that's really cool but they'll see the same piece you know projected f- huge taller than them and then you know that's like oh what is that don't notice it didn't notice it before definitely like has like a really real impact in how you present the art I think that's the same in all art though not just digital things uh, I
0: yeah Yeah, i mean i think certainly the way that we're experimenting in displaying it is a reflection of the values that the community holds right so instead of like more back room dealings or kind of sterile white wall galleries like you did it in an industrial space in brooklyn uh like i bought a church right and i'm and i'm showing stuff here at the church yeah um
1: I, I saw Which, also uh, the Argentinian guys, Frenetic, uh, they
0: had an awesome installation, also
1: super industrial,
0: right? So, so I, they were in like, it was dope. They were on like this fourth floor in Chinatown, uh, yeah. yeah, like past the, the like bus line and then like up, a, it just smelled, smelled like cigarette smoke and it was just like amazing and I actually have that whole exhibit installed here. Um, That's awesome. yeah, right now. So it's like concrete blocks and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I might be like number one crypto Argentina fan.
1: Yeah. Same. Yeah. When I, i met frenetic and I was, yes, yeah, definitely Argentina pilled, but yeah. uh, <laughs> that, that whole, dis- the whole display you guys had going with the concrete blocks and the wiring and the framing. Super cool. Super, yeah. super cool. I think did I more of that. that.
0: I had never seen like also infinite objects displayed so well and interesting, like hung from the ceiling, Panging, one yeah. next to each other. Yeah, that was that was super, cool. super cool.
1: Yeah, I think that I totally think that like that's something I'm really excited to like see evolve, like the presentation of the work. I just uh mm. I just saw yesterday at Top of the Rock Sarah's uh speculations are up there and for course the piano and I thought like one of the craziest presentations of some like at least an NFT I had seen and you know these are things where you see them and you don't recognize right away it's an NFT right like they, you can yeah. see things and say okay it might be digital art might not be an NFT and I think that's I personally really like seeing things like that where like people kind of see it and they're like oh this is crazy art right and it's crazy presentation and then later it's like oh and it's an NFT like I think that that that's definitely the way to be doing like these type of things right like have the art be the focus and at least have this Tech and I mean, there. Th-
0: the beauty of it, of course, is that it travels, like, unlike the physical, it travels. Like, I remember very early on, we were showing Dmitry Shurniak's Breath of Fresh Pearls. Uh, we like, were, we're showing it to people at this dinner on a print, like we had it in VR in the museum, large format, and it was in uh, Tokyo, right, on like one of the billboards there. So, you know, obviously, digital is scalable. And the ability to like show and access and kind of like hack into different spaces screens um i find just very compelling and interesting
1: yeah logistically it's awesome right like we're saying before yeah. even if you don't like the nft right if you're a collector and you have the nft it's great for the sale right great for the sale great for the presentation i think there's ways i think that there's like uh not ways but there's definitely a ways to go before uh like things are kind of sorted out i feel like with like the hosting digitals because it's funky, right? Like loaning out crazy one-of-ones to a museum today, right? Like fine art. That's a, it's a business in itself, right? And it's really hard. That I think is a hard thing to translate scaling, uh, like the monetization of a collection, right? Uh, especially if it's so distributable.
0: And I know that's kind of like a major point that the the marketplaces are are working on Like sub licensing. I mean, we just ran forward without any sort of like IP agreements or licensing agreements. Um, Yeah, I think
1: that's how everything's been like so far for almost everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, And I think also like back to the point, it's just like the, the spaces that we're choosing to inhabit and display and really speak to this idea of a broader community, as opposed to I don't, you know, know how true it is, but like. Maybe, like, the, the smaller dinner parties of the traditional art collector where they would, like, show a, a new piece and, and talk about it within the setting of their home. Um, just, like, the the fluidity with which our generation exists, uh, you know, less stability, more travel.
1: Yeah, it's like we are saying, like, the tra- uh, fine art world, super exclusive, right? And yeah. this is, big part of this is the inclusivity, right? Not just for collectors, but for the artists to be able to, you know, being included in the control of their own art and where it goes and who sees it. And I think that right now, the right now, I don't think it's the time to be trying to monetize the collections. I'm excited to see, you know, how it comes down the road with like licensing. But um, I think that right now, right. It's almost like an onboarding in a sense, right. Getting people in the door saying, this is awesome. You know, get the NFTs in every gallery museum, distribute them. But yeah, in the future, it'll be a, a cool thing to see play out. I think.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned that you were building uh, kind of a specific curation project. Do you want to talk about that at all? Uh,
1: so it's actually less of a, it's not so much a curation project. It's almost like an incubator for artists. So basically, kind of putting a couple artists together. Everyone's you know getting their salaries. So that kind of the idea is to enable artists do their best work when they don't have to worry about anything hanging over their heads. Right. I think that's true in all right. senses. You have a salary, some security at the end of the day, you're going to do great work. Um, And I think in a lot of the artists that I've met with, worked with uh, need that like kind of help and like controlling, not just like figuring out how to navigate, you know, all these marketplaces and, you know, these collectors and, you know, talks and pot and all this stuff. I think they need help, uh, you know, almost like a self-esteem thing, like building up with like people around them and kind of understanding like, you know, your, your work is there. You do great work. You just need to figure out your distribution like you need to find your channel you need to find you know your collector base to sell to and really just sing that same song for a long time so what we're doing is just kind of putting a bunch of artists together giving them some salaries and having them do art and some art comes back to the group everyone amazing. does well together yeah
0: yeah that's amazing i mean i i heard that again in in 2021 it's just like surprise to nobody but some of the best artists are introverts you know they're totally. like do, yeah you know they do with themselves they express their creativity and to be in such like a hype-fueled FOMO-based uh scene was both a major distraction I think and also um for them very challenging uh for yeah. things like like self-esteem because they I think they know the work is good but it's it's not selling so again when we, we when we start to like think about intermediaries or middlemen people that can offload like marketing burden distribution burden um for very talented creative so that they can do what they do best like this is necessary and critical infrastructure
1: i think it's totally necessary i think i think that it'd be great like what i would like to do and see is you know like artists are artists are pretty smart, right? Like a lot, I think most of the artists that are doing really good work are like smart, really smart people and I think that they can totally yeah. like grasp this stuff. Um, you know, just after like kind of experiencing it for a little bit. Like you don't I don't think all of the all these artists need their hand held through, you know, marketing and things like that and sales. I think they just kind of like need to see, you know, this is a it's okay to like price your work, right? Like it's okay to right. have certain things priced, you know, very exclusively, but have them not sell. Like, yeah, I think a lot of it is just like instilling that confidence that, you know, be, have some conviction in your own work. Right. That's like, uh, that's a big thing.
0: Yeah. Cause you know, I bought my first piece on super Rare February 12, 2020. Um, you know what I was finding is that 90% of the work probably on the site at the time was unsold. Uh, but what I was doing was I was just going around and putting like blanket bids on stuff that I liked, right? Because yeah. then it kicks it up. They see activity, and you know people were were so excited. I think like a bit of that culture is lost, but a lot of these pieces were two years old, uh, yeah. you know, a year and a half old. They might have had like five, six views um and no bids and so you know again when <clears throat> things become so market driven and less art driven then i think a lot of insecurities begin to eat at everybody i i wish we hadn't done like this mass onboarding of artists through kind of like a streets are paved with gold narrative um totally. i don't think i don't think that was really in our control i think that was largely um yeah mainstream media i think yeah i was i think that like we have to kind
1: of become aware right that we're almost in our own echo chamber right like the metaverse is an echo chamber uh and you know you're on twitter all the time and artists love to announce sales right it's like a huge yeah. thing and i well, think and the when algorithm
0: loves sales right
1: the, the algorithm, algorithm loves, loves sales yeah, yeah so unique. if you're yeah. So if you're seeing the most engagement, most popularity on your feed behind, you know, just sold something for 20, 30 ETH and you're sitting yeah. there with 4 one ones listed, it's super easy to get into your head. Um, yeah. like, yeah, it's just super easy. So I think that, uh, yeah, like things like blanket offers on collections are great. Right. It's kind of like that little keep going. I personally, I, I, I took the route of basically picking a couple, uh, smaller artists around Brooklyn that were kind of doing things really early on on Bitsky about like a year ago, yeah, just over a yeah. year ago, and um, yeah. So there's a couple of cool artists that I bumped into. Uh, Noah Noah Kosher, Noko, is Love one that of them that I just yeah, awesome. So yes. he's him and I are working really closely on this idea that basically like artists really need like a confidence boost, consistent you know, self esteem, and so how do you do that? monetize pay them don't monetize their art let them do their art and let the monetization of the art be separate and noah is mean, a great example because he's got a ton of great one-of-ones
0: and it's yeah. funny you mentioned him because it was a single tweet that i hit him with that got him to make nfts uh really? in, yeah in the very beginning um that's awesome yeah I i forget stumbled into his work kind of uh through like the young artist network that was like seeing what ferocious was doing and um kind of following uh and i i think i saw his work through there i'm like like man like you have to mint this and yeah yeah, his stuff is great i got to meet him at nft nyc
1: he's awesome i want to do a show uh with him and this little group of guys next. There's some really cool guys out in Brooklyn. Uh, Squibs is another really yeah. cool one. Squibs. Uh, Max Kolchinski's is doing some cool NFT stuff. He was like, accused curating a lot um, of their work. Actually, that was the first time I saw them all. There was a little show in Brooklyn um, that when Bitsky, Bitsky had hosted. And I think, like you see like a lot of these platforms kind of turn super commercial. Like... Uh, like you don't totally see like the commercialization of like the NFTs. And I think that's what adds like this whole, you know, the roads are paved with gold because if you yeah. see, you know, major baseball teams and celebrities coming in and everyone's doing a launch, right. It, don't, it only makes sense that everyone's going to say, okay, that's where the money is.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunately like really a marketplace race to the bottom in my mind. Like the nifty gateway really? with the open edition and then like onboarding celebrities in there and like Rarible was, was doing that as well. And then Foundation came along and like hype and adoption and, and the people that kind of were like holding the values and ethics of the space were losing. Um, yeah, and that's hard too. Cause like,
1: as an artist, you come to the space and you say, you know, there's ten marketplaces. Where am yeah. I? You know, where am I to go? And I think that where they do go ends up deciding the fate of a lot of like artwork. Sadly, like, I think, you know, people will come to the space and see, you know, mint your con, mint your stuff on OpenSea or mint it on Art Contract, or whatever, not understanding like the depth behind, you know, having your old own manifold or Right, And I think that that's something that, yeah, those are like the trying to, things I'm trying to work on. I think that like onboarding is like the biggest, is like the name of the game, right? Like not just with NFTs, art with crypto, like all of this, the metaverse, right? It's all onboarding. And I think that no one's really figured out how to onboard, you know, in a broad sense, everyone in a manner that doesn't, you know, push for this whole idea that the roads are paved with gold but uh, like art in particular, I think it's a lot of like selling this dream that ends up not playing out because of the way that they're selling it, right? They're selling for users on a platform less than, you know, the work, right? On yeah.
0: Platform, so. do, you, uh, do you collect on other chains? Uh, so not
1: largely. um some tezo stuff but i i don't do it myself um edg gives me a hand with that because yeah. yeah i i'm i'm staying off it i've been staying off it uh i think that like if you look at all these chains like all right we're gonna have cross-chain multi-chain world eth will be the eth security layer right end of the day so if you're if you're looking for long-term art and i think some longevity i think that a lot of artists don't like, I've noticed that the cross-chain stuff, like, artists on Tezos, um, I was just talking to Kim Asendorf, and he's bridging backwards to Tezos, actually, for his, like, collectors just, you know, because he's worried about the cost. He thinks it's, like, less accessible. So, I mean, I that's, like, an interesting thing. I personally, like, as a collector, just like to keep shit on ETH. Like, it's just because, you know, everything is built. For if it's if I'm on on cyber right or gallery or JPEG, I want I want my shit on ETH. It's simple, right? It's just how the tech works. That's not to say yeah. there's not great art. Like I think EDG's got some crazy art on Tezos. Grove is a great series, uh, like Stitch Trauma. But I I think that the way he's doing it, the model of bridging and burning on Tezos and bridging to ETH, I think that's a great model. I think like to do. Work on an accessible chain, and then say, you know, you want it on this. You want it on this bigger, you know, chain. This security chain. This ETH. We can bridge it and burn it on Tezos. I think that's a cool model, uh, like a bridging type platform. Yeah,
0: I agree. I think that's a a very sensitive topic uh, that I generally don't. Yeah, I don't share much public opinion on. But I am uh, very aligned with everything that you said. Um, yeah. there's great art there. Tezos has some good art, 100%. 100%. FX hash gr- some great art,
1: but uh, yeah. yeah, just maybe it's less successful for me because my brain's just overloaded to go down, it's you know, get on Spire and yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, it's cool and it's it? there.
0: Yeah, what about um, just like what is your collector kind of like tech stack, like Twitter, Discord, Telegram, WhatsApp? Uh, yeah, I'm in the Twitter trenches, I
1: guess. Uh, yeah, Discord, honestly, I think for art, like Twitter is like really great. Um, and a lot, I found like some cool artists on like Instagram actually, uh, that don't have Twitter. So, right now, I'm really exploring this artist, right? Just you know, chatting with him. I just picked up a table, his name is Pitter Patter, uh, and he does this really cool bootlegs project that uh, it's a table they're at my gallery and it's basically a t- gallery a table with boots and little it looks like pants like a man wearing pants it's really funny but he's minting them and they've you know they've all got these NFTs they 3d scanned and the whole project is that he'll, he'll do a bootlegs table with a QR code staple it somewhere screw it in somewhere in the streets of Brooklyn and yeah. you know someone will find it and someone won't find it and yeah it's doing pretty cool. I like like, you know, little funky street art type stuff,
0: but yeah. Yeah, Like more absurdist, more surreal, playful.
1: Yeah. 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 But the tech is honestly just, yeah. I think Twitter is like the tool, the one and all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I mean, frankly, it's a shame because I think Twitter also is like, you know, like I helped a friend set up their first Twitter account today or two days ago, three days ago. And, you know, the recommended follows for NFTs is like Gary Vaynerchuk. And yeah, it, yes.
1: it's a cesspool,
0: so, right? It's like in a yeah. an echo chamber
1: at a cesspool. Like, and it's really hard to. I just unfollowed like 2,000 people on Twitter and the, the quality honestly like, thought it would be much more improved it's not um i think that it's real. it's really hard to kind of say you know welcome to twitter here's who you should follow but you kind of have to do that in a sense almost like you kind of have to i think when you're, when i'm trying to like onboard people and it's like crypto twitter world whatever yeah. um the artists like i think onboarding them to the whole like crypto side of things first nft side of things is way uh more beneficial because i think The NFT side of things like NF Twitter is super like kind community, right? I think it's all super supportive. Uh, I think it's hard to translate it to sales though, because I think it's a lot of, you know, sales, we got sales, you know, it's a lot of like celebrating and, you know, announcing new work, Um, but it's hard to like have to bridge that crypto side of things with the Gary V side of NFTs.
0: I mean, a couple, yeah, right. a, a couple things there. It's, it's like so incredible how sometimes it just takes one sale from the right, you know, person or somebody saying to just send it like up and through. And that yeah. has always been like where I focus is kind of just like, and you know who gets me there are, are the artists a lot of the time. Right. Like so having kind of like this built in mental model and knowing how people are connected and inferring, you know, like who the artists support and respect and want to see do well and succeed. Well, like as a collector, like give them that chance, like help let them come up because, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I don't make digital art. So I have no kind of, like, basis. I can judge intent, and I'm can. i pretty good at judging character. um, But, like, you know, the the processes of art, uh, you know, after, like, the Beeple sale, for example, there was a rush of people doing 3D art. And people are like, oh, this is, like, a model, or, like, oh, this is just, like, handcrafted. We've seen a million of the same astronaut model, palm tree. Like, um, it got very kind of, like, tropey. But...
1: I'm approaching it by, I think that it's a really cool concept. Like, this is a curating, curational thing, right? And there's a lot of artists in this space that have been around for like 10, 15 years, same as like very, you know, known artists, but aren't also having the same, you know, following community effect on the market. Um, And I'm kind of approaching it by saying that, okay, if I need to curate a show to take this artist to this tier, right, in this community, I should probably present their work along other artists at that tier already. So I like the idea of kind of taking new artists or, you know, up and coming type artists and showing their work alongside someone that's much more, you know, esteemed and has that legacy already. That was, that was kind of the whole idea at, you know, at the Odyssey show I did because EDG has been around a long time, just as long as Def Beef, right? They've been doing stuff for ages, 20 years. Yeah. Um, Godman Newer right but has has that following so you know combined when you see everyone together you say all right kind of like holy crap this this is all the same tier and that's when you kind of start to see okay this is the opportunity in the market on you know market wise but yeah. art wise you start to understand okay you know there's a lot of similarities between these artists and maybe even sleeping on it
0: yeah uh i wanted to go Kind of back to something you mentioned earlier, are there any DAOs that you actively participate in and how do you feel about like collecting as a group versus collecting as an individual?
1: Uh, I think the effect of collecting as an individual, uh, as like an activist investor in your art is definitely greater impact. Um, Being part of a DAO, it's all, you know, your work and your contributions are self-directed. So if you're going to be part of a DAO collecting art, and you're going to take that step to say, you know, I'm a member of this DAO, I'm going to do all this work to, you know, promote you as an artist, that's awesome. And that's sick. Like, why not do it as part of the community? But um, I personally like it solo. I was doing the DAO thing for a while. Um, Fingerprints is a great, great group of people, really awesome group of collectors, yeah. but not super involved there anymore. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking looking at a new looking at a couple of new DAOs, thinking about, you know, making some new DAO friends. But right now just kinda I think it's easy to focus on like your own art and like, you know, the art that you like yourself. Um, and when you're in a DAO, you kind of, you know, there's always like influence and opinion and things will boil down to like curational teams. So you might not always have that say. Um, so I just like the freedom of doing things on your own, and if you can, you know, if you can back that conviction with capital, do it solo. Why the hell not, right? man. dows um, are awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just there's, I, it's, um, it's about the ecosystem. I think, you know, if your passion is emerging artists and and helping people get up there, uh, you know, and also kind of back to your points on on. Bitcoin like the best way to get interested in something is to buy it um yeah you know that's so. why way to build
1: community is to make them very rich right yeah that's <laughs> the best way to did still conviction and force patience is to you know create wealth somehow um yeah. and if you that's like super I think uh one artist that does a great example of that is uh Jake Jake the a gen. yeah yeah awesome yeah. work his additions do really well and I've got Bunch of friends that picked up early editions, and that was their whole foray. It's like the NFT scene, and they did really well on that. And yeah, that's awesome. I think that like artists that do that are very like prominent and do those like small little launches to you know build out their collector bases. Yeah, really, really cool.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean that flew, man. I have to say, I generally hate talking to collectors, but I enjoyed this conversation. Um, so. Yeah. Thank you for everything that you're doing um, and pleasure. I'll give you any last words and, and please let people know where to find you.
1: No pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm on Twitter. It's OX Terrence. I'm Uh. yeah. Other, other stuff's not out yet, but it will be soon. I'll let everyone yeah. know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Follow them. Um, All right, cool. Yeah, Colborne Bell, Museum of Crypto Arts, Terrence, collector, curator. Uh, This is Mocha Dementi Podcast, and we'll sign off here. Breaking news.